And speaking of a reach, boys, Antonio fucking Brown. I want to hit this because I never want to talk about this guy on this fucking show, but God damn it, dude, he fucking got me to talk about him. I clickbait him like, like everyone else did on this podcast. I don't like Tom Brady. You guys know that. But to sit here and tell me and all the rest of this world that this man gassed you up saying, I'm going to give you 10 to 12 targets and we're going to ball against the Jets because and you're hurt and we know that, that's total bullshit. You did have five at the end of the third quarter. You don't know what was going to happen in the fourth quarter. Brady could have force-fed you four or five more targets. Might not have been 10 or 12, but damn, it would have been nine or eight. I mean, fucking grow up, dude. It's a team sport. If you're truly hurt, then fucking don't play. Don't blame Tom Brady, Alex Guerrero, and fucking Bruce Aries. Arians, whatever his name is, and fucking blame these guys. You're a professional. All about the balls podcast. With Mark Davis, Chris Kamihart, Luke Rule, and Nick the Doc Skirkowitz. Hello and welcome. To this, you better get your popcorn ready because we're about to break down the NFC North episode of All About the Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Davis. Excited, as always, because I'm joined once again. No one's on break because we have a full fucking squad in the house tonight. We have Chris Meinhart, Luke Rule, and a returning Nick the Doc Skirkowitz. Doc, how was that wedding in Chicago, and did you fucking plug the show? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, from what I can remember, it was a great time. Um, I may have gotten the mic to rap ludicrous. So, you know, that might have happened, but uh, great time. Good thing that wasn't on camera. The show might have been canceled. Hey, Luke, you were at a wedding as well, but it was more of a quick turnaround. You were there and back literally in a day and a half. How was the show? Or how was the wedding? Did you plug the show as well? Oh yeah, definitely. I always, I was, I was handing out like little flyers to everybody. Hey, well, listen to the podcast. But now it was a little quick turn of bird, uh, wedding in Florida. It was a good time. You know, had more, more than enough to drink, more enough to eat. Yeah, yeah there. Luke can definitely yeah. handle it with the best. And so Luke and love. Doc, yeah, you and Doc and everyone around the world. I need a moment of silence <clears throat> as I'm about to attempt to give the world's greatest introduction. I think I could possibly do. So this man hails from the great state of Texas. He's an alumni of the world's greatest college right now, the LSU Tigers, and he represents more specifically the reigning national champions of the college baseball land, the LSU baseball Tigers. And he is the world's biggest fan of college baseball. Welcome, Chris Meinhart. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for that introduction. It was amazing. But yeah, I mean, very proud of the baseball team. They got Willy Wonked on Sunday, but they came back out Monday night, fucking threw it down Florida's throats. It fucking sucks to be a Florida Gator. But I mean, big shout out to Scott Woodward. I mean, he's getting these coaches in and they're fucking winning natties their second year in. So, and maybe and Brian Kelly. Time. Yeah. Maybe Brian Kelly also, could something that these. Yeah, yeah. Right, and then also a little fun fact. Fun fact, 2009, last time LSU baseball won a natty. 2009 was also the year the New Orleans Saints won a Super Bowl. Man, so are you calling yeah. it right now the New, the New Orleans Saints winning the Super Bowl? And and LSU winning the natty. Yeah, we'll, we'll get on that. We're having a little New Orleans talk this year. Well, at least you're about your quarterback uh, later in the show. But, Chris, man, congratulations once again. Maybe, like I said, a football or relevant sport in college, actually, you'll, you'll win. Because baseball and W or the women's basketball, we just don't really watch that much. I know you do. Like I said, you are a diehard LSU. You watch it all. You watch golf, volleyball, basketball, cricket if they had it. You watch it all, dude. We, we understand gymnastics. You're a big Live, live Done fan. So, uh, highest paid NIL women out, women out there. So, uh, but no, boys, we're going to talk a little NFC North. We're going to talk, unfortunately, Antonio Brown. We're going to talk uh, Dalvin Cook, Derek Carr, and we're also going to talk a little Melvin Gordon as he made some headlines with the running back position. But, Doc, we start like we did with Luke. We're going to start with you first because this is your division, the NFC North. And t- starting it off, you know, a team that once had the first pick going into the 2023 draft, Traded that pick away for number nine to DJ, for DJ Moore with Carolina, the Chicago Bears. And the first question we have that I guarantee everyone's going to be asking about, 
can Justin Fields and more specifically the passing attack make a big, big jump this year? Absolutely. Bear down, Chicago Bears. It is going to be not quite our year, but it is going to be a huge improvement year. Um, I think we've still got to come together, get the chemistry. we got a lot of new faces on the team. Ryan Poles is still cleaning house from that uh, Ryan Pace era, uh, that terrible Mad Nagy era, so we're still working on that. But uh, only a couple of guys left on that, so a lot of new faces on the team. But expect a huge, huge shift up in the offense this year. Luke, you buying that? You buying that Justin Fields' arm is going to be electric this year along with his legs? Uh, Yeah, I, I think he's going to take a huge step forward with the arm this year. I think he's still going to be that uh, freak athlete running the ball. He's going to do what he did last year, but he's got more options now to throw the ball to. So I think he's going to take that next step in the passing he's game. He's got options. Yeah, I do too. I, I think he could be the third best passing quarterback in the division. I mean, we'll have to see what Jordan Love can do. But um, I think he'll go from, from last to – He'll be not last this year in the passing game. I think he makes a little bigger jump. I think DJ Moore can lead this wide receiver core, Chris. I think, you know, he's going to lead Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney. You think DJ Moore is going to help turn Justin Fields around in the passing attack? Yeah, I mean, I think DJ Moore was a great addition for Fields. He definitely brings that veteran leadership into the locker room. Chase Claypool, I'm still iffy about. I mean, Darnell Mooney, he's there. I think they might still need to add a couple weapons to help Fields out. But then, I mean, that added to a position that they significantly needed on the O-line. Darnell Wright came in. So, I mean, they, he's there. Nate Davis as well gonna, from the Titans. Yep, 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 yep. I think Fields makes steps forward. Is he going to be the best quarterback in this league or in this division? I don't think so. <laughs> but definitely, definitely one or two. Uh, with the Chase Claypool in and now, DJ Moore now, you got – Clay pull back for a little, you know, continuity purposes. Do you put him in the flex or do you think Darnell Mooney should go in the flex? Because Mooney can play both. He can play outside and inside. So what would you like to see for the, the wide receiver tr the trio they're going to have? Um, you know, honestly, I can, I can probably go either way. I like what Mooney brings. Um, last year was kind of a down year for him, but I mean, it was a down year all across the board for the Chicago offense last year, except for Justin Fields running game uh, and Khalil Herbert. But you know, I'd like to I'd like to see them both battle it out. Um, move them around, see what you can do, and and find the best plug for both of them. And Luke, I'm excited. I'm excited to see this because, like I said, I think DJ Moore is going to be there. It's going to be electric. And one of the things that they were last year, I mean, the defense we'll talk about in a minute, but they produced a lot of turnovers. But the offense gave away the ball a lot. Now having DJ Moore there, a new like Chris said, invested O line with Darnell Wright, and they brought in Nate Davis from the Titans. Can this offense cut those turnovers down? you know, actually score more points, something they didn't do last year. Is that what Chicago is going to start to do? Uh, I, I still think that turnovers are probably a problem with uh, Justin Fields. He's a young quarterback. He's going to try to force some throws. He's going to probably make some bad decisions throwing the ball. But overall, I think he'll improve with the, uh, the passing game. Yeah. What was that, Doc? I said I can see that. I mean, he, he didn't really get to test the arm last year. Um I think there's still going to be some learning curve and, and learning the speed of the NFL uh, as far as being the passer and, and reading those, you know, the elite defense that you see at this level, which is much different from what he saw in the Big Ten. And, yeah, I mean, in the Big Ten, Chris, uh, you know, Ohio State, best probably receiver room. You can argue LSU as well in college and Alabama as well. Those are probably the top three college, uh, you know, receiving factories right at the moment. But is this the make-it-break year? Is this his third year? I mean – does he have to prove it or is it time to start to think about maybe replace him if you can't get it up, you know, start to actually produce? No, I mean, I think I, I don't think he's going to decline this year. Like we've mentioned before, they added weapons for him. I think they tremendously boosted the defense. That's going to help his mindset. He's not going to go into games and have to sling this fucking ball to get 20 plus points to win a game. He can rely and sit back on his defense to help, stop the opposing offense from scoring touchdowns. And I think that's going to help him tremendously on the turnover too. Yeah. And I, I had a question. I know we didn't, we didn't actually type it out in our, uh, our chat, but with the addition of DJ Moore, I just thought about it. Is this a big year for Cole Komet? You know, a tight end is usually a young quarterback's best friend. And is this going to be a year that Cole Komet can maybe sneak into that, that, you know, maybe high second tier tight end position? Doc, Luke, you know, I, I think I think uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to field this one. I think uh, 
Cole Komet's already started to do that. He was very slow getting off in the early part of his career. He's got an extension coming up, so it's a prove it year for him. Um, or, or, you know, ending his rookie year, whether I think, I think they're going to, I think they're looking for a new deal. Um, but the numbers have steadily increased. Um, touchdown numbers were up last year. I think the yards were a little bit down, but the touchdowns number, uh, touchdown numbers were up. They were utilizing him more in the red zone and in the end zone. Um, so I think he's, I think he's a sleeper tight end that a lot of people, uh, choose not to talk about, but I, I definitely think he's got what it takes to be up in that upper echelon of, of tight ends. Yeah. Chris, not, not, a, not a Travis Kelsey, but. Oh yeah, no one's Travis Kelsey, but Chris, you agree with yeah, that? Yeah, not. High I would second, say tier two. Yeah, <laughs> tier two. Chris for Cole Komet this year with DJ Moore. You know, takes a load off the tight end. Um, I mean, he might he might be in the bottom of the tier two, but he's definitely going to see some more involvement. I mean, you have DJ Moore taking those secondary away, so he's going to be open for those dump off pl- pass plays from Fields for sure. Luke. You know, yeah. you're well equipped uh, with the defense. You know, like Ravens produce good defense. I know you have a good eye for mm-hmm. the defense. The, the Bears this year made some moves at the linebacker position. Is this time? The Bears a couple years ago were a pretty good defense. They fell off the last year or two. Is this time for them to get back to the monsters of the midway? Can the Bears defense be productive once again? Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see if those moves actually uh, pay off, putting all these players together, see how they gel together. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work, but – I like having Tremaine Edwards, I mean Edmonds and uh, TJ Edwards together. I think they'd be a solid uh, linebacker duo. So. Oh yeah, Doc is a as a defensive minded head coach. Is is this gonna get start to look like a defense again? Once again, out there in Chicago. Yeah, I think so. Last year was tough. I mean, they completely changed the scheme from that three four pass rush off the edge when they had Khalil Mack. They went back to the four three Tampa two. I mean completely different mindset with, with keeping the same guys and trying to shape them into, into a different scheme. Uh, you're going to have, you're going to have challenges with that. So uh, coming back in now, fresh season, fresh faces on the defense, um, even some help on the line. I mean, this is, it's going to be a much improved defensive year. I'm not saying we're going to be elite yet. I think we still need to add a couple of pieces, but uh, I'd like to see Chicago get back to its four, three base. Um, that was so dominant in, in Chicago for so many years as monsters of the midway. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there, Doc. I, I don't think, obviously, like you said, I don't think above average, but I think they could be average at best. I mean, maybe even a little below average, but, you know, that's definitely strides. That's what, something you want to see. You want to see that improvement. I think, you know, they were 29th last year in, in defense. They were 32nd scoring. So I think they could be hovering around that, you know, a top 20, you know, between 15 to 20, uh, maybe 17. Maybe not, yeah, 15 is above average, but I think you can see around that top 20. Chris, is Chicago going to get back to what we used to see back in the day with the Chicago Bears, what they've always been known for, defense? Look, they're moving that way. I mean, Tremaine Edwards, I mean, he just had a breakout season last year leading all off-ball linebackers in coverage with a grade of 90. I mean, the former Eagles linebacker, TJ Edwards, 78.4% coverage grade, ranked ninth in last position. I mean, look, and then they knew that their run game was struggling, the run defense – and they improved that drastically in the interior play this offseason. I mean, they didn't add too much to the edge defender, but they must trust the guys that they have in the locker room. And they drafted their big def- boy. They drafted that big boy out of the Gators, too, Dexter. That's a big body. A lot of teams were high on him. They thought he could have snuck into the first round, but he fell to them out there uh, to the Bears where they wanted him. So, you know, they got a big body now. So maybe they'll start producing sacks, Doc. Get that, you know, get to the quarterback. That's something you got to do in this this league. You got to bring the quarterback down. They were one of the they were last in sacks last year. So obviously, if you're not getting to the quarterback, your defense is going to struggle, Doc. Which is shocking when you're still in the league with the Raiders uh, after the Cleo Mack trade. I, I think he had more sacks himself than the entire Raiders defense had uh, altogether. But now we definitely had issues getting to the quarterback last year again. I mean, we were running a, you know we were running a defense that just didn't have the people in the right place to, to be effective. So um, switching that up and, you know, the focus right now, as much as, you know, you want to put pressure on the quarterbacks, the name of the game sacks are nice, but you want to get pressure on them, force them to make bad throws, which is what Mac was so good at and why the bears defense is so successful. Um, force them to throw into pressure, make bad decisions, throw it into coverage. Um, so ultimately it's about containing the run right now. I know there was a huge focus after the defense last year and, and the pieces that we added on the inside um, contain the run, you know, put pressure on the quarterback and, uh, you know, getting that pass that pass coverage um, with T.J. Edmonds. And after a 3-14 record, boys, my over-under, you know, I think they'll prove a little bit. So, I mean, like I said, we're going to try and hover around that same mark. 
I had them at five and a half. I mean, it's doable, I think. I mean, it is, like I said, I do think the NFC North, after uh, listening to Evan Foxy from the Pat McAfee Show, I think this division is wide open for anybody. I can see all four teams literally making a push for it. I know Chris was trying to pull the schedule up, but right now five and a half with the Chicago Bears. Um, Doc, I'll start with you. You're, you're the hometown kid. What you looking at? I mean, what do you think? Over, under five and a half. Yeah, looking, I mean, Denver still might be a challenge. Um, I mean, we are at home against Denver, so I like that a lot better. Um, I think a lot better against Washington than what we saw. And I think that, what was it, 12 to 9 last year? Um, I'm definitely going over five and a half, but I think I'm going. I know it's tough because, I mean, you want to see that. I big think jump I'm going eight. I think I'm going eight or nine. I'll that's go a eight. Big, that's a that's a big improvement, Luke. That's five wins more than what they had. That's a, almost a 500 record. You agree with Doc over the five and a half mark for the Chicago Bears? Yeah, I mean, I, my, I put them even higher. So I, I gave them six losses the way I counted it out. So have them splitting with the yeah. Vikings-Lions, then sweeping the Packers, and just a couple, like, gimme games that they're probably going to lose is KC, the Chargers, Browns, and I got them losing the Saints too. Other than that – I think they I think they win the division overall. Hey, and Chris, 18 of the last 20 seasons, a team has gone from last to first in the division. It sounds like Luke is hopping on that train over under five and a half for the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I'm going to roll with the Bears. Yeah, I'm going Doc here. I have over with eight wins. I mean, you can just look at their schedule. And you can easily pick off five teams they're going to win. So they're they're definitely going over with the improvements that they did on defense and offensively. Yeah, I'm going over as well. And fun fact, it sounds like Luke is repping both the Bears and the Ravens for the North Divisions. He's going Doc and his team, man, Chris. So I sense a little biasy between these two together. I think Doc's going to be a closet Ravens fan as well this year. We didn't have him for last episode, so we'll keep an eye on that for the season. A little collusion here in the sack house. But moving on to a team I think has probably got the biggest – Biggest quarterback storyline of the uh, offseason. That's the new Jordan Love era with the Green Bay Packers. Last year, they were 8-9, one game away. All you had to do was win at Lambeau Field against the Detroit Lions last week of the year, and they blew it. Aaron Rodgers blew it. He said, get me the fuck out of town. He's in New York. It's Jordan Love's turn, Chris. And we saw this before. Aaron Rodgers replaced uh, Brett Favre after a few years sitting. He struggled a little bit. He had some ups and downs that year, but they went 6-10 and his first year. Do the Green Bay Packers struggle in this new Jordan Love era, year one? Oh, year one, they they shit the bed year one. I mean, Rodgers couldn't accomplish anything last year, so you're turning it over to Love with a very less talented offense than what Rodgers had last year. So I think Love is going to struggle for sure until they can get some offensive weapons in there. Yeah, and I'm looking at the same thing, Chris. I think, you know, he's going to get kind of the Aaron Rodgers treatment. I mean, I think he played really good against Philly the year the game he replaced Rodgers when he got hurt. I think it's similar going to be to what Rodgers did his first year in 2008. So, Luke, Jordan Love, does he struggle? Does he show shine a little bit like ups and downs? What are you thinking about this first year with Jordan Love? Uh, I think it's going to be a very rough year for Jordan Love. I think the Packers are going to get absolutely obliterated this season. Doc, I know you love this talk, man. Your rival, the Green Bay Packers, it looks like they're going to be in last place, according to us. Is this is this what we're expecting? Are you expecting the same thing? Jordan Love struggles year one with Matt LaFleur. Yeah, I'm definitely – I'm putting the Packers in the bottom of the division here, and I'm not even going to call it struggling so much just for Jordan Love or, or LaFleur. I mean, I'm, I'm not impressed – uh, with the moves they made, the offense. I mean, they lost two receivers uh, to the New York Packers. So, you know, um, a lot of holes in there. I mean, the run game is still going to be solid, but I think that it's it's more than just Jordan Love is going to cost this team. And Doc made a good point, Chris. And I know you're high. And I, I like Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon like the next guy. And I know you love Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, especially in fantasy. Are those two good enough to keep this young talent at quarterback and wide receiver and tight end afloat and let this offense still – maybe produce a little bit can the running backs produce and help the rest of the offense stay afloat yeah I think Aaron Jones and Dylan are one of the most productive two-headed backs for sure they're both they're getting Jones is getting up there old in age so they both know how to the offense and locker room should be so 
they're going to need to take over that locker room. They're going to have to get these young guys' heads right. It's going to be a rough season. I don't think they're going to be able to carry them to many wins, but they they got to set them up for the future. Doc, is AJ, AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones just going to get annihilated out there? Is everyone just going to stack the box and just literally beat them down and force Jordan Love to, to do something he has to do and beat them with his arm? No, I think it'll still be a, a pretty well-balanced game. I mean, uh, you can force Jordan Love, but the reality is, I mean, and this is another reason why I don't think it's going to be solely Jordan Love. I think there's going to be struggles because of rookie quarterback, but he sat behind Aaron Rodgers for three years. Look at how Aaron Rodgers came out uh, came out swinging after sitting behind Far for so long. I mean, there, there's definitely potential there for Jones to do well. I think it's more just on the lack of weapons that they have. And, I mean, good thing, you know, the Packers drafted two tight ends because Lord knows that's – that's the way to go uh, in the draft. So God bless him. And, you know, those two tight ends, that's what's going to carry him to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I, mean, I, they have, I, they have... I don't know. I mean, I don't know off the top of my head, hand, what the wide receiver core looked like for Aaron Jones when he took over for Brett Favre. Well, they but... had Donald Driver and Greg Jennings. So I'll tell you that. That's better than Romeo Dobbs and uh, Christian yeah, Watson. I, I couldn't even fucking tell you a wide receiver on their wide receiver core this year. Like love is not set up for success. Yeah, and and again, it's not a love thing. I think love's got the potential. It's but does does we haven't we we haven't seen him. We saw. I'm going to give him. I'm going to give him a little bit of credit. I'm going to give him a little bit of credit just because of how he's starting out the same that Aaron Rodgers did. Honestly, it sucks seeing a guy. uh, That that you know everybody was big on and wanted to see play sit behind somebody for three years, but. The guy had all that time to take in all that knowledge. Yeah, Luke, is the is Jordan Love going to be able to elevate? I mean, is A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones going to help Jordan Love elevate this young core of receivers and tight ends? I mean, they're they're going to have to. They're going to have to take the fucking, like Chris said, take over the locker room. But I, I think for defenses, they should just stack the box on them and make Jordan Love play. Yeah, I agree, man. I think if you stack that box, you beat down Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, like, you know, like what you do with the Titans with Derrick Henry, if you can stop Derrick Henry, like A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, you have to force Jordan Love to do something that we haven't seen yet, and that's play 17 games. Do I mean, maybe he can do it. Like I said, I, I like Doc said, I think he has the talent. I really do. Um, I think it's just going to be a struggle year for them. I, I'm not a big Matt LaFleur fan as it is anyways. He, he came into a good situation because he had Aaron Rodgers. But yeah, they Luke, fucked up not putting Getsy up there. Oh, yeah. I mean, but Luke, you mentioned defense. Last year, I was high on this defense, and I was fucking wrong. They have a great pass defense. They have Jay Alexander out there, Savage, thing, guys like that. But this rush defense was dog shit. Are they going to continue to struggle? Are teams just going to run the ball down this team's throat? Yeah, I, I think their their defense is going to just actually – like they're, they're going to be just as bad as offense almost, I think. And I, I don't have high hopes for this team. I probably have this team getting the first overall pick in the draft. So, something like that, about yeah. that. Uh, you can forget yeah. about Arizona, so forget about the Cardinals. I think the I think oh, yeah. no. Cardinals. Packers might get number two then. And it, they'll be, yeah, they'll I don't be number one. I don't know if they're that bad. They'll be a top five draft pick. I can see that. Can yeah. see that. And Doc, Doc, you think this defense is just as bad as the offense this year? Yeah, I mean, you know, opportunities to improve through free agency through the draft. Uh I, I think that they're probably one of the worst grades in the draft, in my opinion. Um I don't think the defense is dog shit. I don't think it's great. I think it's overrated. Um, I'm not impressed with with much on it. Um, they're fucked. Yeah, yeah. See you at the I bottom, agree. bitches. I think the pass defense will be fine. I really do. I think their their secondary is decent enough to, to produce there. But hell, if you just run the ball on them, eliminate the passing game. Jar Alexander is useless at that point. You just run the ball against the front seven. You know, you Force have spread the defense. I, yeah, I think every team in the NFC North has a good running game. I think Detroit's got something with Gibbs and Montgomery. You have, I think Madison, I mean, I guess the Vikings might struggle a little bit because they lost Cook, but Madison's not bad. And then you have the Bears with Justin Fields and Kalua Herbert and Foreman. Chris, though, is this defense just as bad, man? Are they going to be toast? No, I mean, they didn't They didn't lose much in the secondary, so I think that pass defense is still going to be the same. And this team didn't do much in free agency. They signed three guys but they definitely invested in the defense on the line in the draft. I mean, with their first pick, Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa, the edge out the of there. The corn boy, then, yeah. Yeah, and then 
what I think is a super underrated draft pick out of round six, the defensive interior with Carl Brooks. I think he's an underrated player. I mean, he came out of Bowling State in 2022, 12 sacks, 74 pressures, and 25 run stops. I mean, they did everything they could to try to bolster up this defensive line. Is it going to pay off? I don't know. And that payoff, though, is over-under. I mean, I guess I guess my over-under was a little wrong. I had eight and a half after hearing Luke's take. Maybe I, did, I, maybe I was drinking a little when I did these notes for the show. So, uh, Luke, I'll start with you since you're pretty confident. Over-under for the Green Bay Packers, eight and a half. <laughs> oh, I, I think it's be way under. <laughs> way under. So, the, when I tallied it up, I, I tallied up 13 losses for the Packers. Man, so. Doc, we haven't seen that bad of a Packers team in a long, long time. Man. I am so. excited. So, I, I got the Packers being swept by their entire division. Oh, God, I had the Bears split one with the Packers. Yeah. I had the Bears no. split one with the Packers. No, not, not even one. Still tough. I think I think they'll split one with the Chicago, just with how deep that rivalry is. I think that's the only like I think like like Luke said though Owen six one and five still pretty bad. I mean, if you want to give him an extra yeah, win, yeah. okay. But I agree with Doc. I and you. I think one win against Green Bay. Yeah. So five and twelve <laughs> is best for you. It's still way under Luke. I yeah. mean. I have under as well. I was thinking more like six or seven wins. I, I thought they had maybe potential to beat some of these teams. Like, I mean, like I, said, I think Chicago, they'll split. I think they'll take the – I think they're going to split against Chicago. I, I can see them beating the Raiders, and I can see them even beating the Rams. I, I'm not sold on the Rams yet. I got to see what they're going to be with the with their injuries coming back. So, I, I really think six or seven. I, I think Carolina's doable, Doc. What's your over-under for the Green Bay Packers uh, with eight and a half? Uh, obviously under, um, anybody that takes over is, uh, oblivious, but, uh, I got him under, I'm going five. Chris, you agreeing with the rest of us? So is this a clean sweep under? Yeah, no, it's under, I have five, five as well. Yeah. So there you go. I guess last place in the NFC North, uh, from us in the sack house, the green Bay Packers, uh, on to the next, on to the next team, a team that has been. Hyped up all year. They were on Hard Knocks last year. They even turned down a sequel reunion for Hard Knocks this year. The Detroit Lions out of the Motor City, boys. And, Chris, the question, like I asked Miami, is this hype a real fucking thing? I mean, is it is it really hype at this point? I mean, they've been hyped the past, what, two, two three seasons? I think it is what it is. But with such a weak it's such a weak division, not weak division, but like any team in this division could honestly win it. It's filled with what ifs. Like if one player from each one of these teams balls out, then they're going to win it. But it's such a weak conference, the NFC. I I have Detroit being one of the top teams here. Yeah, Luke. And like I said, in the fantasy, I had Jared Goff as a top 10. Is Jared Goff good enough to keep this hype going? Is it good enough to get past that nine-win mark they had last year where they literally were a game away from the playoffs? Can Jared Goff keep the hype up with the Detroit Lions? Uh, no, I really don't think so. I think he'll play decent. He'll be a mid-level quarterback at best. But, I mean, his wide receiver room is going to be kind of hurting for like the first, what, six weeks while uh, Jameson Williams is suspended. I love Almiron St. Brown. Dude's a stud. But I think Marvin Jones is – He's getting old at this point. I think he's kind of lost his edge. But other than that, they what what else do they really have? I mean, they have Sam Laporte. They drafted him, Sam Laporta at Iowa. And Iowa produces tight ends, man. They know how to produce it. Yeah. So watch out for that guy. Doc, he mentioned Jamison Williams, and, you know, that ties him with Jared Goff. Last year they didn't have Jamison Williams for a lot of the year, and that offense was still literally one of the best offenses. They were fourth overall and fifth in scoring. Can Jamison Williams be out for six games? Can that still keep the Lions afloat? Can Jared Goff do enough to keep this offense rolling with Dan Campbell? It's tough. I want to say, yeah. I mean, I used to like Goff uh, in his early years, but, uh, you know, this is about that time where we take that 180 and go back down the road of throwing like dog shit. You know, we saw his first couple years in L.A. and then what ultimately led him going to, what ultimately led L.A. taking a chance on Matt the Grandpa Stafford. Um so it's tough to say. You never know which which uh, Jared Goff you're going to get. But Jameson Williams, I think the I think the offense can do just fine without him. Um, I think the question mark is in the defense. Um, even with Aiden Hutchinson and uh, as explosive as that defense is, I think there's a lot of problems in the secondary. 
coming from, you know, if you, when you're the number five scoring team in the NFL and still winning only nine games last year, I mean, oh yeah, some big problems. They, they made some moves in the defense, the secondary. They, made, they added C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Chris knows about him pretty well. They had Emmanuel Mosley out of the 49ers. They added Cameron Sutton out of the Steelers. So defense made some – they made some additions. The question, though, is can they get to the quarterback? Is it just Aiden Hutchinson or nothing? Because, like like we said with the Bears, you got to get to the quarterback. That takes a load off the secondary. But back to Jared Goff real quick. I do think Jared Goff's good enough to keep this team in the playoffs, maybe win a game or two. I think that – I was high on him last year. I think the reason why I'm high on him is because of Dan Campbell. I think he plays different for Dan Campbell, Luke. That is one of your favorite coaches to watch in the league, at least on hard knocks it was. Is Dan Campbell on the hot seat? Too not on the hot seat, but on a, it's a prove-it year. It's his third year with Detroit. Does Dan Campbell need to make, make some noise and win the division? I mean, I, I think he needs to make some noise, but I don't think he, he'll get fired after this season, no matter really what happens, unless they only get like two wins. But them them taking both their starting running backs, who both had good seasons last year, and just letting them go for a rookie and I would say a washed-up David Montgomery – I don't think Dave Montgomery is that much of a stud running back, and they're going to run with him in a rookie. I I, that's that's a that's a weird move to do. So I'm not a huge fan of that move. I mean, I like Jameer Gibbs coming out of Alabama and Georgia Tech, but I don't know why you let those two running backs go just for them. I don't think that I don't think that replaces them. And I think the Detroit ran through their running backs last season to do so well. I don't know about you boys, but it seemed like Dan Campbell and DeAndre Swift like. Or was playing the call, the making the play calling, didn't seem to get along. It didn't seem like DeAndre Swift meshed with that offense too well. I don't know about you, Doc and Chris. I mean, that's the way I felt though with DeAndre Swift in Detroit. Yeah, Swift is just very hard to read. I mean, it didn't look like they were vibing on the offense. It didn't really look like he was living up to his name. You had Jamal Williams come in. He was the leading rusher for touchdowns last year. It looked like they were just feeding him the rock in the red zone, and it looked like that bothered Swift. Yeah, I mean, it definitely did. I think it rubbed Swift off the wrong way. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm okay with the – I mean, I'm not okay with the Gibbs where they drafted him at. I like the kid. I think they could have gotten him later on. I mean, they had two first-round picks, and they took him with their first pick. Doc, you mentioned the defense earlier, though, and like I said, I read off some names. The secondary, I think, would be better, but is this on the front seven for the, the Lions defense to get – this team going on defense. Absolutely. I mean, it starts at the front. It starts at the run game. It starts to get into the quarterback. Hundred um, percent. If the if the front seven is doing what they're supposed to be doing, the secondary ain't got to worry about it. You know what I'm saying? There ain't nothing for them to do. So, absolutely, it's on them. Uh, I do like the moves that they made. I think that they went in the right direction um, because they do have offensive weapons. I think they went in the right direction as far as uh, where they they needed to improve the most. Um, so, you know, I, I think this year is going to is gonna solely rely on Jared Goff and what he can do. And, Chris, I mentioned the line. Can Aiden Hutchinson start to become like a Nick Bosa, T.J. Watt-type player? Can he start to carry this D-line and put the team on his back? Yeah, I think, I think he's going to step up this year. I mean, defense was their main offseason focus, and they went on it hard. They didn't really touch the defensive line, though. You named the names already. I don't need to go over it. But they bolstered that secondary. I mean, they stole um, C.J. Garden-Johnson from the Eagles. He led the interceptions last year for the Eagles. That was a huge steal. I mean, got two vets cornerbacks. I mean, they, that secondary is locked down right now. And, Luke, can Hutchinson get back to the Michigan days? Can he start to pull, produce and put the team, on, especially that line, on his back? I mean, I, I think he had a like outstanding year. Yeah. yeah, he had he had a, he had a, he had a get back. <laughs> interception. Well, I, mean, I, I, meant, I meant I meant like get get the high sack numbers, like get to 17, 18 sacks, like I, things I, like that. I think he had two. I think he had two interceptions in one game, didn't he? Well, yeah, yeah. I meant like yeah, I mean like get I, high I sack. He, you can't high you sack. can't he, you can't talk about the sack numbers when you're talking about an Aiden Hutchinson playing against a Rutgers team versus Aiden Hutchinson playing against an NFL caliber team. Yeah. I'm, compare him to Nick Bosa though, and Watt. Like he need, I, he just need to get those numbers to get this defense to be productive. Yeah. That's what I, I, think, I, he I don't think he needs it. Yeah, I don't I mean, think he needs to get I, those numbers, but he needs he needs to be efficient on his side to let the other guys on the line be more efficient. And he will be. Yeah. He was last year. Yeah, I, I think yeah. he's more capable of doing it. Yeah, but All now, right, boys. now people are queued up on him. 
that's no, the thing they, they, they had they up on him last season too. They they knew he's gonna be stud being one of the top overall draft picks. Yeah, but they know how shitty that defensive line is now. They know, hey, I don't need to worry about these other three guys. I just need to worry about this strong motherfucker that's going to drop back and <laughs> intercept the ball. Yeah, he likes to hit a couple in that one game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> speaking of that, boys, the over-under for the Detroit Lions, 10.5. Is this the year? We've been saying it, for like Chris said, for a long time. They haven't won a playoff game, a playoff game, so just one since the 1991 season, so calendar year of 1992, when they got to the NFC Championship. Barry Sanders' only playoff win. I mean – this is probably the most hype that I've seen the Detroit Lions have in my lifetime that I could ever remember, even with Calvin Johnson and Matthew Stafford and Nate Burleson and those boys. I think this is the most hype I've ever seen the Detroit Lions get. I'm going to start it off. I have over. I have 11 wins for the Detroit Lions. I think they can win this division at 11-6. and six. I think they get the over mark there. They might lose a couple games they shouldn't, but they might win some games they shouldn't as well. Chris, over-under for the Detroit Lions, 10.5. Hey, I'm on I'm on the hype train. I could regret this in a couple months, but I have over with 12. They're winning the playoff game this year. They're winning one. Ooh. One. Doc, are you agreeing with me and Chris there? I'm going. Games. Uh, I'm looking at 12. Dang, over as well, Luke. Uh, over with 12. Uh, I, guess I guess I'll be the outlier and take the under. So I, I got him with eight. Yeah, eight? I got him with eight losses. So you have him doing the same thing as last year, nine and eight. Yeah, I I think they had a good year last year. I think they had a good year this year, but that's about it. Well, can, that nine eight, can that nine eight be a wild card team though? I mean, like I said, we can see nine wins in the playoffs of the NFC. I, I think I think in the NFC it can be. The NFC is okay. pretty weak overall conference. You're pretty weak. All right. Uh, hey, that's it. So it's Lamar that's Jackson's the, legs. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> he he does play the Jesus. Baltimore Ravens, so we'll, we'll see the Ravens and Lions on the docket. But, hey, moving on to the last team of the division, team that was 13-4 and last year, 12-0 and in the regular season, one-score game. So they had only one blowout, and they had 12 one-score games, and they lost the other four that was never one score. So, like, it was literally one score or nothing. And then they had lost their only one score in the playoffs against the Giants. The Minnesota Vikings, Chris. Is the luck gone? Is it finally time for Kirk Cousins to get back to what he is, just an average quarterback? I mean, look, to go 12-0 and in one-score games, it's very lucky. I don't think I don't think luck happens again this year. I just don't think it happens. Yeah, Luke, is that luck going to disappear? Yeah, yeah, I'm not very high on the Vikings for this season. Uh, not, no crazy moves for them besides losing their top running back. So I'm not not too high on them either. They yeah, did add Marcus Davenport, so I mean he's pretty solid when healthy. That's a question. When healthy. When healthy. When healthy. Yeah, when, when, that when healthy. Plays, that motherfucker's <laughs> like Zion Williams and plays two games a year. Okay. It's a New Orleans effect there. So Doc though, is that is Kirk Cousins gonna digress back? He's gonna get back to what he was, just average Kirk Cousins. He got some primetime games this year, so we know what's gonna happen there, but is the luck gonna be gone? Is this one score magical run they had gonna just vanish? I don't even know that it was luck. I mean, it was a much better Minnesota team last year. I think they were able to control the ball, control the tempo, um, keep it within that one score. Uh, I think it was a matter of not trying to do more than what they needed to. Um, they definitely squeaked out some close games, but the Colts game. I yeah, yeah well, yeah. I mean that. That's you know, luck. That was a luck. That was that a lucky was, that game. Was luck. There. Yeah, that's a lucky one. I don't think they all were though. I think. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think Kirk Cousins was top tier last year. I don't think he's going to be top tier this year. I don't think he's going to be top tier at any point in his career. And Doc, I think you could put him you... with with JJ Tyreek Hill and uh, let's go Devontae Adams, and still wouldn't still would find a way to not be top tier. Is Fitzmagic J- better than Kirk Cousins? No, 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 <laughs> no. Fitzmagic. Like, I, I, like I think he's. I think games in his career. I think he's more exciting. Did you not see the touchdown Fitz did, not even looking? <laughs> I think yeah, he's more exciting to. as a player. I don't think he's better as a player, though. But, Doc, you mentioned J.J. You know, they, they lost Thielen, their other receiver. They did draft Jordan Addison. They do have Hawkinson. They lost, uh, like Luke said, Dalvin Cook, and they lost my, uh, Eric Kendricks, their top linebacker that's been there for years. Is this a rebuild year for them, or do they think they're just retooling? That's, that's a huge thing right there. 
No, I think they're just retooling. I think they made a good move going for a wide receiver in the draft after losing Thielen. Uh, I think Thielen was kind of regressing anyways, uh, regressing anyways, so I think it was time to move on from him. Uh, you still got plenty of weapons in the offense. Madison is still going to tear it up in the backfield. I mean, he was already doing that. Cook was already losing touches, so I don't think you have any worry there, and I think that that kind of was the same thing we saw with Montgomery in Chicago. I think it was a running back coming up on a contract year or something, and and they just tried to find a way to move him out of the playbook um, in order to either lower the price tag for him or just being able to justify not paying and moving on from him. So I think uh, Dalvin just kind of saw ahead of that and said, fuck it, get me out of here, let me go. Um, defense, obviously losing Kendrick is a big deal, but I think the defense is still is still decent. I think that it still can put up some uh, some stops, so we'll see what happens. mention that defense in a minute because I, I definitely have a good, a good question for you guys. But, Luke, you had J.J. last year in your team in fantasy. This man balled out. Is this man going to have to put this team on his back Drag Kirk Cousins along the way. Drag the rookie. All the boys. Can JJ lead this offense again and get them back into the playoffs? Is it going to be a rebuild year for them, or are they just retooling and going to maybe make a little run in the, as a wild card, or even possible division winner? I mean, I think they're going to call it a retool year, but I think Justin Jefferson's also going to, he's going to have a like career year again, just like last year. He's going to get all the looks from Kirk Cousins. I mean, he's Kirk Cousins' first look all the time, and. All he has to do is put that ball somewhere near him, and Justin Jefferson has a very good opportunity to catch it. I think adding Jordan Addison helps. You know, probably take a little bit off of Justin Jefferson, not much. And TJ Hawkinson, uh, big red zone target for them, but I, I don't trust the running back room, so I think they're going to try to like rush, um, load the box on Kirk Cousins, put a lot, put him under some pressure. Kirk Cousins, I don't think he performs very well under like pressure from defensive lines. He'll give up before he takes sacks, really. So I'm not not too high on the offense, unless that offensive line can hold hold back some of these big time pass rushers in the NFL. Yeah, before Chris cares on this conversation, Luke, where did uh Justin Jefferson win his 2019 national champion with? What, what team? Uh, Nobody good. Yeah. Oh, the LSU Tigers. Hey, Chris, again, crash because on the baseball. Yeah. Hey, but is JJ the, the LSU? Yeah. Well, one of them, because that 2020 Bama team – well, that's another argument from the day. That 2020 Bama team was pretty loaded too, but Chris – Yeah, my team. Can J.J. lead this offense into the playoffs and maybe make a run? Yeah, I mean, I believe so. J.J.'s hands down the best wide receiver in the NFL right now. So he carries that offense. Like Luke said, I think the biggest question right now is the running back room. I mean, Cook is gone, yet like Doc said, Madison's a great running back. But is he ready to have the full eighty time. plus per yeah the eighty percentage of carries for a full season? We haven't seen that playing yet. a lot more downs. Exactly, yeah. and then who's backing Madison up? Madison was a great two to Cooks one, so the question at running back really is worry worrisome. And then I mean Cousins, we already hit on it; he's questionable all the time. So yeah, he is. But I think, especially in prime time. But I think, I think JJ will carry this offense like he always does. He always will, and he'll have another outstanding year. Doc, you mentioned the defense earlier, and a big underrated signing that our boy Zach Rizzo mentioned to me a few weeks ago was I forgot they signed Brian Flores. He's a pretty good defensive mind out there. He was with New England. He was also the head coach for the Dolphins at one time. Went to the Steelers to prove that he could still coach because teams are kind of you know give him the the boot a little bit there. Can Brian Flores make some strides with this defense? The last two years, they've been shit. Last year, they were 31st in defense and 30th in scoring. Can Brian Flores turn these boys around? Um, kind of hard they to say. They made moves, I too. Mean, they, they did make moves. Yeah, it's kind of no, hard to say. Uh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, you know, if the defense is successful, I don't think it's because of Flores, but if they suck, it's definitely because of Flores. How does that work? <laughs> I mean, he was already shit before I mean, Flores. So I mean, that's what I'm saying. So I mean, if there, they, there, I, so there, if there isn't talking, a hope from what I remember on the offseason. Maybe I got to go back and look. I could be wrong, but I don't remember. I mean, losing Kendrick, but I don't remember seeing a whole lot of turnover. I mean, this seemed like it was pretty much. Uh, they, lost, they lost Pat Peterson, who was still productive, yeah. but they did get Byron Murphy from the Cardinals, who was pretty good. They, I know they made a couple of other moves on corners. I can't. I didn't write the names down, but I know they made. Moves. They got. In the secondary, they signed, yeah, they signed Byron Murphy, free agent, and then they um drafted 
Blackman out of USC round three, and then Jay Ward in round four out of LSU. And then they added uh, Dalvin Tomlinson. No, Dalvin Tomlinson. Like I said, maybe I'm wrong, but I mean – Oh, they lost him to the Browns. Never mind. Looking yeah. at Flores' yeah. track record uh, the last couple of seasons, I mean, when you got to go to a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers to prove that you can still coach and, and the Steelers still suck, I mean, you know. Well, I mean, his prove it was because of a different – not because of he wasn't a good coach. He was yeah. getting blackballed because of – But he of wasn't Miami's a good situation. coach in Miami. Let's not take I mean, away they, from that. They were tanking and went and won eight games or seven games. Remember how they forced right. him to tank and he said no. It, he His players were dog shit. Sounds to me like games. he wasn't tanking then. Well, yeah, but they had no, they had less tier talent, and they were still winning like almost five hundred percentage games. So I mean, so, to do that, if he had less tier talent there, I guess we're going to see what happens this year, huh? We'll look at the numbers I mean, this will. year compared to Miami. I mean, but he's also taking over the worst defense in football. Well, second worst defense in football behind. I mean, the Bears and the Vikings hold that spot together. So I mean. So it's gonna take a year or two, I think. Two. No, I don't think the Bears are. I don't think the Bears are the worst defense in football with the moves they made this offseason. Well, I meant like last year, though. So I'm saying like based on last year, yeah, yeah, they're coming from last year. Statistically, year's moves, last so year. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Vikings. Oh, no, we were, all knew that. But I mean, I, I don't know. I, I do. I like the Brian Flores move. I think it's take a little while to do it. Um, but expectations, boys, for the Vikings, eleven and a half. I mean, the reason why it's like that is because last year they won thirteen. And I'm under. I think they can get 10 wins, though. I, I'm not saying it's a bad under. I think it's 10 wins, possibly. Maybe no more. I don't think they're going to go no less than nine wins. So I think the worst case, 9-8. I think best case is, honestly, 11-6. and six. So I don't think they get over anyways, regardless. I'm going to go under. Doc, what you think for the Minnesota Vikings? Pretty good schedule there, honestly. They have some primetime games, too. So all the primetime games, I'm counting one. I'm counting two, three, four, five. That's at least five losses there for the Vikings. Yeah, so. you can go ahead and chalk that up as uh, as five losses. Um, ten. You said ten and a half. Eleven and or a eleven half. and a half. Eleven and a half. I think I'm going. I think I'm going ten or eleven. And uh, give my hot take. Uh, Detroit Lions are winning the division. Luke over under for the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I got them under as well with ten wins, seven losses. So yeah, it's so, pretty good, Chris. I got, I, I got them. What second place in the division and Bears winning division? Man, what a turnaround the for the NFC North for Luke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Bears. Let's go. So it sounds like we all have a new division winner, though. I mean, I have Lions. Chris has Lions. Doc has Lions, and so yep. does yeah, Chris. You have the Bears. Chris, over yeah, under. I the think Vikings, the, I think if the Bears, I think if the Bears play their cards right, they got a chance at. Uh, they got a chance at pulling second place in this division. I can see it. I have under nine wins. Yeah, that's my that's my wow. worst case situation. That's bold. But hey, that's the NFC North. Next episode, boys, AFC West. You know, we'll talk about the reigning champions, the Chiefs, Chargers, the Broncos, and the Raiders. Pretty good division, I think, minus the the Raiders. But hey. Moving on, Chris brought up a good point. Uh, he, he gave me a good story to read, and I, I did some digging into it. Melvin Gordon, the formerly Los Angeles Charger running back, the Denver Broncos running back, and the Kansas City Chiefs running back, never played a snap for them. So I don't know if he got that ring or not last year. He mentioned that, and I agree, I agree with him, the running back position is the worst position to have when it comes to getting a big, big contract. We, have, we see a few of them out there still that have gotten some good contracts, but he blames – after the Todd Gurley deal, he blames head coach Sean McVay from the Rams because he said he would never pay a running back again. He blames them and says, oh, I mean, thanks to Sean McVay saying that, all the other coaches followed suit. Not so fast, my friends. Derrick Henry got paid pretty decent money, not as much as Todd Gurley. Chris McCaffrey got paid more. AK got paid the same yearly average, and so did Zeke with more money. Zeke got more guaranteed. Is it because of Todd Gurley and the Sean McVay comments, Chris? Or is it just something different? Or is Melvin Gordon missing the actual picture? No, look. So I think I think this message is great, right? But I think it's the complete wrong fucking guy that delivered it, right? I mean, you got to think Melvin Gordon contributed to this as well. They he got offered and he rejected ten million dollars a year for a four for a four year forty million dollar contract. He bitch whined about it, held out. And since then, he's made $16.1 million. So look how that fared out to him. And he's over in Denver fumbling every game. Okay? The market, the market didn't start going down because of Sean McVay's comment. The market went down because GMs 
and head coaches have realized that they can get 80% of production out of guys in the fifth or lower round and pay them a quarter of the amount with last with less cap space. That's when the market started going down. And no one's going to pay a 27 or 28 running year old running back when no one has proved that after 28 you're not regress, regressing as a running back. Yeah, so, Derrick Henry's I mean, the outlier on that one. He's the only one that I can see that's still productive. I mean, you have him and fucking Frank Gore that's a fucking robot. <laughs> yeah. But, but Frank, Frank Gore's part of the old, 45 years. And he was part of the old yeah. style like running backs where they those guys still product they produced after that age 30 mark. So it's kind of went downhill. Doc, I saw you shaking your head earlier when I was when I mentioned the Sean McVay thing. You you're not sold on that comment that he made about Sean McVay? No, absolutely not. And I'm going to tell you what turned this uh, what turned this around. This was uh, the NFL's greatest punter or greatest kicker in NFL history, uh, Kareem Hunt, getting uh, suspended. And uh, I forget his backup was the time getting hurt, and the third string was coming in and still putting up first string type numbers with the line that they had. This is Le'Veon Bell sitting out and uh, Connor coming in and absolutely tearing it up. The reality is, running backs are a fucking dime a dozen. Doesn't matter who you put back there. If he's a true running back, he's going to make plays. He's going to get yards. It's Madison behind Cook. It's Khalil Herbert behind Montgomery. Montgomery is not a washed-up running back. Montgomery just got written out of the playbook because they didn't want to pay the guy in a new deal. So they made the the way out for him uh, to let him go and justify not paying him that money because Khalil Herbert was doing the work. Who the fuck is Khalil Herbert? Nobody heard of the guy before last season, so... It's like I said, anybody can play back there. If you draft a running back, he's going to put up numbers. If you've got a line and you're calling the right plays and you're utilizing the play action in a, in a pass-first NFL, the running back is going to be just fine. And that's – why would you pay when you know that your second and third string can put up the same amount of, same amount of numbers? Why would you pay your first string $15, 20000000 million a year? And Zeke, mind you, let's not even talk about girl. Let's talk about how much Zeke proved it. Um, when, why am I fucking blanking on his name right now? Came in, um, Tony Tony Pollard. Yeah. Tony Pollard, Tony Pollard proved it as well. Everybody's fucking proven that you don't need to pay a running back because you can draft a new one in four years and he'll step in and pick up where, where the last guy left off without skipping a beat. Yeah. Luke, like, like doc said, and like Mike floor, like Mike Florio said on the Pat McAfee show, there's more supply than there is demand. So back in the day when it was a running back era, you had more demand for that running back with less of the, the talent out there. So you had to pay them more. Now you have teams going to committee. And like Doc said, you know, Zeke shit the bed there. Tony Pollard got tagged. Jacobs got tagged. Um, you had two more running backs that got tagged. Uh, Saquon Barkley. So, well, Pollard's because of injury, though. But still, four running backs got tagged. They're just showing Doc, you have something to say there? Yeah, I also I, I want to interject there too, because uh, you make a great point about the committee. You're going to pay a guy 100% of the salary for the running back position when you're going to split the touches among three people, um, and then on top of that, this is now becoming a run first NFL uh, or run first quarterback NFL. So running backs just aren't getting the touches, aren't putting up the numbers that they used to. You're not seeing Sean Alexander coming out here putting up 2,000 yards in a 16-game season. You're not seeing running backs putting up 100 yards a game anymore. Why are you going to raise the price on them when they're not giving you the output that they used to give you historically? Yeah, Luke, like I said, that's a supply and demand thing. Are you agreeing with us there? Are you with – I mean, we understand the running back position sucks to pay, and I understand. It sucks to them. I honestly – I mean, I know they're important, but – it's a supply and demand thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree to that too. I mean, there, there's a couple of outliers at the running back position that yeah, you have to pay like Chris McCaffrey and uh, Derrick Henry, two freaks of the the position. But other than that, everybody's pretty much a dime a dozen, like you guys are saying. Like you can go draft somebody in the second, third, fourth, even fifth round, and they'll still produce. Even it, especially if your your offense has a good offensive line, you can put anybody back there and they can just run the ball. It's not not that hard. I find the open hole and just run straight down the hill. But the couple couple freak athletes you you pay like McCaffrey and Henry, other than that, like they're not worth it. They're splitting carries anyways. Split the split the payments. And and, and, and McCaffrey, you're only paying like that because he's a versatile back that can do everything. Yeah, he's throwing touchdowns. He's a quarterback. Boom. He's already got more touchdowns than Jordan Love. He's, he's QB three. 
I hate to say, but if you're going to bitch about not getting paid and you know it's a shit position growing up now, hey, then maybe don't fucking play running back in the professional league. Play tight end, play receiver, play play on the defense, play something else then. If you, and that will force the running backs to get paid if you're not having that much because now it's a demand issue. Now so it'll start sucking. If you, yeah. Yeah. Supply if if you want to push, yeah. If you want to push that envelope, then there you go. Start to have less running backs and then play other positions. But yeah, I understand. And we all in agreement that there it's the worst position to play if you want to get paid. It sucks for them. But yeah, the, the, the sad reality is that it does not matter who you put back there. Whoever you put back there, if they are a professional running back, they're going to produce. I just don't like how he attacked Sean McVay. And, and it, it doesn't matter which coach it could have been. He could attack. It could have been any coach with the comments. Mike Tomlin, Andy Reid, Bill Belichick. I don't care which coach made that com- that topic starter. It's the truth. I, why pay a running back? So that's the problem. It's yeah. You guys don't have a, a high shelf life. That's just unfortunately what it is. Running yeah. back or receivers and quarterbacks at corners have a higher shelf life than running back. It's just unfortunately It's a the fucking truth. reach by, by uh, Melvin Gordon is what it is. And speaking of a reach, boys, Antonio fucking Brown. I want to hit this because I never want to talk about this guy on this fucking show, but God damn it, dude, he fucking got me to talk about him. I clickbait him like, like everyone else did on this podcast. I don't like Tom Brady. You guys know that. But to sit here and tell me and all the rest of this world that this man gassed you up saying, I'm going to give you 10 to 12 targets and we're going to ball against the Jets because and you're hurt and we know that, that's total bullshit. You did have five at the end of the third quarter. You don't know what was going to happen in the fourth quarter. Brady could have force-fed you four or five more targets. Might not have been 10 or 12, but damn, it would have been nine or eight. I mean, fucking grow up, dude. It's a team sport. If you're truly hurt, then fucking don't play. Don't blame Tom Brady, Alex Guerrero, and fucking Bruce Aries, or Arians, whatever his name is, and fucking blame these guys. You're a professional, and this goes back to your Raiders days. You're a fucking liar. You blame the Raiders for fucking keeping you in jail, it seemed like. Then you say you peacefully got out of a contract with Mark Davis, but then you sue the Raiders for your $30 million. I don't believe a fucking word you say, dude. And, Chris, I'm telling you, man, this man pisses me off more than anybody in the NFL's history of the game. Is the it also Tom Brady's focus. fault? Is it also Tom Brady's fault that he didn't pay his fucking AFL league dues? Yeah, he blamed – he said that Brady gassed him up. Like, come on, dude. Like, Brady – I mean, what, what happened during the game? Maybe the Jets' coverage is good. I mean, I don't know. No, I get I game. get that. But, I, I mean, what's next? Who, who are you going to blame for why you're not paying your fucking league dues? It's yeah. always something. The man. Guy, I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's always someone. Brady, Brady got him another ring. So, I mean, yeah. oh, and that's, that's another what, thing. Oh, that's another thing. He didn't like being saying, well, Antonio Brown came back for the 2021 season with Tom Brady because now you're treating like a child. I, If you tell me I'm going to play with Tom fucking Brady, sign my ass up. Treat me like a fucking child. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit. I want a ring, baby. I want a ring. Yeah, Chris, I don't, I'm telling you, man, this guy fucking gets my fucking, he balls me up, dude. The man just needs to focus on paying his football players and his coaches. He doesn't have it anymore, but he should have. Yeah. I, I mean, all talent receiver I've ever seen, one of the most talented receivers I've ever seen in my, my league, my life, Burflick fucked him up in Cincinnati, and he hasn't been the same since. He started going Facebook Live with the Steelers, acting like a child, breaking rules. Mike Tomlin also endorsed that. I mean, Mike, Mike Tomlin is a, play, a player's coach, so he gave him the leeway. Ryan Clark called him out, said this is how he was before he got paid, so money change, money didn't change him. It just enhanced his fucking behavior. He treated the Raiders like he was in prison. Dude, you just got traded there, and you're already th- – I know it's a shit organization with John Lynch, Mike, May- Mike Mayock and all of them, but damn, you're there for like four months, and you already have helmet issues, feet issues. You're acting like you're in prison, and then you sue them after you say that you so, so, so said that I don't want the money, but then you sue Mark Davis anyways. My dad, Mark Davis. So fuck you, dude. I, I don't fuck like him. him. I honestly don't. Fuck Speaking him. Of- and while, we're on this pu- and while we're on this pussy train, Derek Carr, dude, like, you know what? Fuck him, too, dude. Probably a great guy. Seems like it. But we already know the Raiders are a shit organization. But you're thinking you're Big Ben out here. You get, you get that treatment that I get two last home games. Dude, you suck most of your career. Shut the fuck up. Stop saying your wife cried. And that's the reason why you got out of town. That was the that was the deal breaker. Your wife cried. Well, maybe your wife would have cried if you didn't play like news. shit for fucking eight years of your career. Maybe she that's why cried she then. was crying. That's why she yeah, was Chris, fucking I'm crying. Sorry. Cause she woke up and realized she was up. still married to. Yeah, Chris, you're gonna back up because you're a Saints fan. But sorry, look at the fucking mirror, dude. Look what he did. He had two winning seasons at eight years, nine years, whatever he fucking played. Yeah, not I the mean, Raiders' fault. He, I mean, I would say that his losing records well, were definitely the Raiders' fault. About last I mean, he year, didn't have, Adams. He didn't. Well, yeah, and Josh Jacobs. Yeah, yeah, but 
other than that, what? John Gruden ruined that franchise when he was there, trading all these draft picks away, trading all their great players away on defensive side. What about what about I before mean, John Gruden? It was inconsistency. I mean, he went twelve Derek and three Carr, as a starter, and then and then he couldn't do anything after that. I mean, Derek Carr has numbers. He's not. He's not a. I'm not saying he's the greatest fucking quarterback. Okay, he's he's probably mid tier at best. Okay, he's average. But to pull, he's Kirk Cousins. to pull. Okay, I'd I'd probably say more consistent than Kirk Cousins, but but to pull one small tab of, I left because my wife cried is bullshit out of the whole fucking interview because that was also sandwiched in between all three or four other reasons why he left. So the main reasons oh, he left man, he didn't get those, sad, he said he's, he said the deal breaker was because after eight years, nine years, he deserved those last two home games. He thinks he's big Ben. He thinks he gets that treatment. You're not well, dude. he knew you weren't he, good. He you don't get were... that treatment. Yeah. The Raiders yeah. need to see what they have at the quarterback position beyond him and see if these guys are going to be the quarterback next year. That's what they were doing. It's not, dude, you're not the team, dude. You're not Matt Ryan with the Falcons. At least Matt Ryan did stuff with the Falcons. He went to the playoffs. He won an MVP. He got to a Super Bowl. Like, guys like that deserve treatment. You don't deserve a treatment with two winning seasons in an organization. Yeah. You just don't. You just don't. Don't mention your wife because when you do that, now you make a team look like actual dog shit. You did that for a reason. Is that he didn't have to not say dog that. Shit, though? You just said they it. are. You just said the they franchise are. But was. he's part of that reason why they're dog shit. He's not good. He was that overrated. Whole franchise is toxic. He got paid off one MVP like year, and he tore his ACL that year, and still got paid, and has never won a playoff game. He's more yeah. useless than Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and this is his. This is his Jackson won MVP though. This yeah. is the fucking yeah. Derek Carr won shit. Yeah, hey, this is his villain origin story. Okay, we'll we'll come back to this episode. This man, at the end of the this season. man, could, this man could forgive John Gruden, but he can't. He can't forgive yeah. the Raiders. It seems like he do a great with his five six wins with the Saints. John I mean, John Gruden think, was. Okay. I think the Saints actually That's get like odd. nine wins or so. I think the Saints would get like nine wins or ten wins, honestly. Uh, their schedule is not, not hard. To be honest. NFC South is oh, not the, a hard schedule. Yeah, NFC South is fucking trash. Well, yeah, we, we we almost had last to season, yeah. and we had fucking Andy Dalton as our quarterback. Yeah, no disrespect to Red Rifle. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> but Very hey, that's all I gotta say. To that's all I gotta say. I mean, I'm not mad, Derek Carr. It's just, dude, like, it's just wording. Like, you can be better with your wording there. I mean, I get it. The Raiders suck, but so do you. You don't deserve the treatment you think you did because you were there for so many years. I just don't think. I just don't think that was why his wife was crying. That's all I'm saying. No, I mean, don't get me wrong. She's probably mad that you know my husband has finally got benched. My, life, my husband is Derek Carr. But your husband got benched because Derek Carr didn't play good. Like he didn't play good. Like that's just the matter of the fact. He didn't. Play if good. the Raiders Steve came in and played good, if the Raiders didn't want somebody like Derek Carr, then why did they go out and sign Jimmy Garoppolo, which is pretty much Derek, Derek Carr, Carr 2.0, baby. Hey, but you know what? Unlike Derek Carr, Jimmy G can actually manage a team and actually stay average and actually product produce a little bit in their season and actually get deep in the playoffs. He he did get he does he got deep in the playoffs a few years more than Derek Carr can say he did. Uh, we'll yeah, that's true because Derek Carr didn't have the defense or the fucking. Jimmy G's got like two rings too, doesn't he? How about this? If Jimmy was a backup, so he still he still has him. But we'll see. We'll see if if Jimmy G does better than Derek Carr this year. That this Derek Carr comments, that's out the window, my friend. It really will be. But we're not gonna talk Dalvin Cook. Plays, if he plays, if he plays, yeah, we'll have to see if he plays. Uh, we're not gonna talk Dalvin Cook. We'll, we'll we'll nail that one out later in another episode. But boys, great episode, man. Doc, man, it was good to have you back, Chris. We had the fire going at the end, dude. And Luke, good to have you there, man. Hey, go Targas. Suck that yeah, Targa, hey, bitch. Congratulations, Chris. Congratulations, big win. Yeah. Luke? Hey, I'm about to be a fucking Pittsburgh penguin or whatever the fuck Pittsburgh's mascot is. What are Watch your fucking mouth. The the Pirates, dude. This is baseball. I'm about to be a a fucking Pittsburgh Pirates fan. You need to learn your your mascots for other leagues than just NFL. Penguins or NHL. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even Luke knew that one. Hey. 
Luke just Googled it. Luke just Googled it, dude. Hey, but the Pirates are doing decent this year. I mean, for what they were, I know they've struggled a little bit lately, but they were they were up there for a little while, and they have the young core. So we'll see what your boy can do. They're in the NL I mean, Central, dude. Relax. Hey, the NL Central is one of the hey Dela Cruz dudes balling right now too. So um, we'll see what we'll yeah, see one what's dude going on in the division. Bottles come back strong too, but hey, man. Yeah, I don't mind seeing the Reds doing good, man. I like to see the Reds do good. Like, I like Joey Votto, and I'm excited for Del Cruz. Luke, it was good to have you here, man. I'm glad that you had a good wedding as well that you attended in Florida, the old Sunshine State. Yeah, I was going to be on. I don't want to say always. There's, you're going to be gone most of August. But, hey, yeah. uh, Doc, glad to have you here. Hopefully, you're here to stay for a little while. Hopefully, no more trips, my friend. Uh, July sometime. Jesus. End of July, yeah, I think. Yeah, so I guess <laughs> we'll we'll make it work. Uh, we'll make it work. Like I so said, it's a one man show. We'll make it work. And then Chris, August, and then September, and then two in October. It's all good. It'll just be a me and Chris show for a little while. We'll see who we can <laughs> tag in there around special guests, co-host. But Chris, I do have a co-host or a coworker that wants to call in. Yeah, we'll, we'll charge him a little bit. But hey, we gotta make some money somehow, Chris. That's uh, we'll, we'll talk about that one. Hey, Chris, like I said, congratulations to the Tigers, man. Best college right Thank now, R- rolling right now, dude. Big facts. Transfer to LSU and you win a natty. It's proven. It's It's true. Hey, but boys, great show. Like I said, next episode, AFC West, get your notes ready. We're going to talk Patty Mahomes, Jimmy Garoppolo, Justin Herbert, and Russell Wilson, boys. So that's the quarterback of that. I'll take Denver's win in the division. Yeah, I think I Doc's drinking I a little agree. early tonight, boys. But, hey, that's Luke Rule. That's Doc Skirkwins. That's Chris Kameinhart. I'm Mark Davis. This is All About the Boss Podcast. Once again, congratulations to the Tigers, and we are out. Thank you for checking out another episode of All About the Boss Podcast. We want to thank all of our listeners and supporters of the Sack House. You can listen to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at the Sack House.